0: Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast, and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to the broad array of stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance industry for almost 30 years and been interfacing with the fine team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. After listening today, if you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the search bar in any typical podcast app. That way you'll get all the episodes as soon as they launch. What does the future world of residential construction look like? What opportunities lie for HERS Raiders in a code world? Yes, podcast listener, someone likes you and will share the code. Today, we're joined by Chris McTaggart from The Bear and Ryan Mears from ResNet to discuss and detail out the HERS Raiders role in the energy code compliance world. Recently, the Energy Code Council has offered a combination designation, the IECC slash HERS compliance specialist. The details on compliance to this will be covered in the podcast today, as well as in a link in the show notes. We'll learn about how this designation combines energy code knowledge of code officials with the energy efficiency knowledge of HERS raters to provide a more powerful advice in the energy plan review and inspection. Chris and Ryan will explain how... This new code compliance specialist designation can demonstrate competency for energy performance measurement and energy code proficiency. And this can also be helpful in jurisdictions that face resource constraints. Um, these certified specialists can now supplement the work in this dual row. Let's listen in as Chris and Ryan discuss with us the HERS Raiders' role in the energy code compliance world. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Ryan. Yes.
2: Hey, Bill. Hey, hey Bill. How's it going?
1: Good. And actually, it's afternoon. so. <laughs> but when people are listening, it could be after in the middle of the night. Who knows? It could be. It could be like a morning wake-up podcast. Who knows? Today's topic is Hers Raider's role in energy code compliance. And this is something we we're hearing more and more about lately. And I'm going to ask both of you to kind of give background from your perspectives. And I'll ask first for Ryan and then for Chris to tell me, why is this coming forward as more and more of a topic? Go ahead, Ryan.
2: Thanks, Bill. So, ResNet and ICC, the International Code Council, launched a new designation called the IECC HERS Compliance Specialist. And that is a designation that a HERS rater can achieve by also passing the Residential Energy Inspector Plans Examiner Certification exam through uh, ICC. And so, it is a new designation. And although HERS raters have been involved in various aspects of energy code compliance for many years, This is a new designation, and so we are starting to promote that and hope that ultimately it leads to code officials having even more trust in HERS raters for doing energy code compliance activities, compliance verification, and also testing.
1: And Chris, I'm going to ask you just to give a quick background on the bear because I just gave the abbreviation there. People hear from Ryan a lot. (laughs) He's on the podcast a lot. But Chris, you were on a little while ago, but bring us up to date on who you are, what you're doing, and then the background on why raters are more involved in codes.
3: Yeah, thanks. So Building Efficiency Resources, otherwise known as BER, we're a national ResNet quality assurance provider. We work with independent HERS rating companies in more than half of the states in the U.S., so about 26 states currently. And we have about 200 members that are associated with our providership. We see a lot of what's happening in the energy verification industry all around the country. And really, I'd say when we started our business 10 years ago as a provider, the big business was Energy Star Homes. That's why most Raiders were involved in home verification. And when Energy Star shifted, as a program, and as energy codes continued to advance in their stringency, that really paved an opportunity for HERS raters to get involved in energy code verification because Energy Star as a program got more stringent. Not every builder necessarily wanted to continue rating their homes for the purpose of Energy Star compliance it's a great program. I personally like ENERGY STAR a lot, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But for whatever reason, a variety of reasons, builders wanted to see if there were any other alternatives. And a lot of them just said, well, I just want to meet code. And as states progressed from the 2009 to the 2012 to the 2015, and now the 2018 IECC, the code advanced in stringency along the way. And for that reason, working with A HERS rater, number one, a lot of what the code mandated became obligatory, testing envelope infiltration and testing duct tightness. Those became mandatory features of the code, and the code refers to working with an approved third party to do a lot of those performance tests. So builders were already hiring raters to do these tests anyways, and then builders like flexibility. So as the code becomes more stringent, Then using one of the two performance methods, either the R405 simulated performance alternative, otherwise known as the cost compliance method of compliance, or the energy rating index, the ERI, become increasingly attractive to builders because it gives them some flexibility. They don't necessarily just have to meet the prescriptive envelope R value requirements of the code, they can pursue some trade-offs that allow them to get credit for other performance measures. And a lot of builders really like that.
1: It makes sense. I think it's sort of like the code aspect came up and has merged in the lane with the tasks or responsibilities of a rater. That's a very interesting perspective. So when we look at the requirements to have this sort of, I'm going to call it a joint designation, is that correct, Ryan?
2: It is, yeah. It's a joint designation, yep.
1: What does that involve for the rater to have this designation?
2: So they have to be a currently uh, certified ResNet HERS rater, and then they have to take the Residential Energy Inspector Plans Examiner Certification. That's an ICC exam, and it covers specifically the residential chapters of the IECC. It is a national exam, so it's not based on a specific state code. It is based on the national codes. So the Raters need to be familiar with the residential provisions in the IECC, and they can take that. and, and ICC has evolved their exam process. When I took the exam many years ago, you had to find a testing center and go there and take a paper pencil exam. And even just a few years ago, when we offered it at the Resnet conference, it was also a paper and pencil. Now they have it where you can take it from your home online. They have an online remote proctoring system. You can take it from anywhere now, so it makes it a lot easier. But Raiders need to be familiar with the provisions of the IECC for the residential chapter, and then they need to challenge the exam and, and pass it. And once they do that, they will receive the joint designation with RESNET and ICC as the IECC HERS compliance specialist.
1: Chris, you have experience in this designation, and this compliance specialist designation. Tell us about sort of your through like awareness, training. You do some training with that area. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, so for the last four years, I have worked with the ICC and ResNet to deliver the ICC residential verification designation at the ResNet conference. So basically, I've had an increasing number of students in that course every year. Uh, the first course, we had maybe 30, and then I'd say this past one, we had close to 60 people who took the course. So there is a lot of interest in this. Again, this is kind of the future of, I think, what raiders are going to do. I think that codes are going to continue to evolve, and they're going to increase their stringency and their expectations. If anybody's had a chance to take a look at what's proposed for the 2021 IECC, it's pretty groundbreaking. It's going to be a very stringent, very advanced type of energy code. And so I've seen this coming here with my work at BER for the last several years. Code became really transitioned into becoming really our primary business model along with our Raiders. So getting involved with the ICC and really trying to encourage as a, a member of the ResNet board of directors to really ensure that ResNet and its professionals are fully up to speed with codes and really ready to step into that arena as professionals. That's been really a big part of my professional charge here in the last several years.
1: And there's also some demographic factors. Maybe, Ryan, you could speak towards that with the landscape of code officials and what the workforce looks like there.
2: So what's interesting is actually the study is just a little over five years old. ICC conducted a survey of code officials to see kind of basically how old they were, when were they planning to retire, how many younger code officials were coming in to kind of fill those ranks. And they found that 80% were set to retire in less than 15 years and 30% to retire in less than five. So we're basically at that point now where five years ago, about 30% of code officials were expecting to be retiring around now. And then sometime in the next 10 years, another 80% were going to retire. So it's a significant problem where there are many code officials that are aging out, they're retiring, and only about 3% of code officials are younger than 35. So there's not a lot of younger folks that are coming in to the profession. And ICC has been, since they released that study, has been making strides to get some education programs on what code officials do. Why should someone, say a a high school or college student, want to be interested in the code official profession? So they have been taking steps to try to get that, to try to fill some of that void of those code officials that are leaving the workforce. But HERS Raiders also fill that role. And and third parties have played a role in not just energy code compliance, but building code Mm -hmm. compliance. For many decades now, it's only natural that HERS Raiders would really be a prime resource for code officials that are looking to be able to, for energy code compliance, for plan review, for inspections and testing, that they would turn to hers Raiders as the professional workforce that can fill that role.
1: That's an interesting observation. I'm going to ask Chris for an observation across the 26 states over which they provide. What is the interest level? and people going towards for this designation and sort of how, how are they viewing it boots on the ground in their states?
3: I think that most professional raters view it as a big opportunity. The code is written in a ambiguous fashion as to who can be designated as an approved third party by a municipality. So some states have amended their codes in order to say explicitly, we want resident HERS raters to do this verification but most haven't. And so that means that a HERS rater is prospectively competing against an insulation contractor or a mechanical contractor or some other type of building tradesperson. There is software out there that is free or very low cost to access that generates energy code compliance reports. When a hers Raider potentially has to compete with that, hers Raiders have a lot of expectations. They have the expectation to have certain specific training and credentialing to earn their designation. And then they have to maintain it with professional development hours. And they have to have any additional staff that they bring on need to meet these requirements for training and credentialing as well. They have to keep their equipment in calibration. And then they have to work with a quality assurance provider that oversees their work. So raters have a lot of formal expectations over how they're to conduct themselves as professionals. And not every other tradesperson who might offer energy code compliance verification necessarily has to have that same level of professional development. So by creating this designation, the ICC and ResNet have really put Raiders given them an opportunity to, to show code officials this is who I am, this is what I do, this is why it is superior to potentially other tradespeople who might desire to offer energy code verification. And it gives code officials and municipalities something more formal to point to. So it may not necessarily be written formally in the law, per se, in a state or a jurisdiction. But each jurisdiction by jurisdiction, they have a lot of leverage to be able to designate who they feel is most professionally appropriate to fulfill these scopes of work. And now that there's going to be a joint ICC and ResNet designation for energy code specialists, I think that that really gives code officials something specific to point to. And then they know when they have received a report, They know it's been done by a professional that has specific training and credentialing, and there's some degree of quality assurance over that work. That's been implied for a long time within raters being involved in code, but it hasn't necessarily always been the case. So now it really gives, I think, code officials something more solid to point to, and it should end up materializing in more work, really, for raters, more ways to use their certification and their credentials that's more formalized. So every professional raider that I'm aware of is very excited about this. When I took on this project as a member of the board of directors to try to move ResNet towards embracing energy code verification as an organization, I put together a broad contingent of other representatives of the community, other raiders, and other providers, people with different business models and different markets. And pretty universally, we all agreed that this is going to be valuable and that this is potentially a huge opportunity and a game changer for the work that HERS Raiders do in the energy code arena.
1: Pretty awesome. Sounds like you were very much a key influencer on all this. I don't want to diminish it with that term, but thank you for your work there. This sounds like you're sort of like in a stage of like a soft launch where you're trying to build the infrastructure and then make, then really highlight the awareness. Am I getting that correct, Ryan?
2: Yeah, so we are. And Chris has done a great job over the last, as you mentioned, over the last four years. And we've had such a great reception at our ResNet conferences as a pre-conference session to to actually train raiders and others who are interested in taking that residential energy inspector plans examiner test at the ResNet conference. So it's been very successful and we've seen numbers increase year over year each year that we've offered that training at the pre-conference. So there is a lot of interest and We're trying to get even more raters signed up and passing that test to take a training and challenge the exam and obtain that residential energy inspector and plans examiner certification so they can also obtain the joint designation between ResNet and ICC. And this is kind of the, it's a bit of the beginning stages of a larger project where ResNet is actually, we're creating a set of certificates and forms that will be consistent across each software that each of the three softwares that we accredit to do HERS ratings and to do R405, the performance path compliance. And so we see that as the next step. And as Chris has said, his business has transitioned into doing a lot more code compliance from at one point doing Energy Star. And so as we see that progression, we see that there's a huge opportunity for HERS Raiders to get even more involved. And we're working jointly with ICC to be able to create something that's going to be consistent across the country, to be able to issue certificates and also ensure compliance for the entire energy code for the R405 compliance path that's in the 2018 International Energy Conservation Code. And many codes previously will support that all the way back to the 2009 code. The 2009 code is really important because it's adopted right now in about 30 states, I believe. Mm-hmm. And largely that is because there was stimulus funding under the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act back in 2009 that provided funding if states would move forward and adopt that 2009 code. And many states are still under the 2009, although there's also about a dozen or more that have moved on to a more recent code.
1: Are there any caveats to the application of this? It it seems this is a, a national thing. Are there state or local nuances? And maybe Chris could speak to that because of his sort of his footprint of activity.
3: So every state, for the most part, adopts their own amended version of the energy code and some states don't even have a statewide energy code some states actually have no statewide building code at all and it's entirely left up to the individual municipalities to adopt codes at the local level and when that's done then oftentimes cities or other municipalities counties will will adopt a version of the code but again it may be an amended version of the code so I think that this fundamentally creates a huge opportunity here with this specialist designation getting off the ground this year. There's going to be several states that will be updating their energy codes over the next few years. And there's an opportunity to really compel them to potentially reference directly within their amended code language this specialist designation. When codes are created, at the national level, when the International Code Council and all of its members and the voting body itself actually collaborate to create what we call model energy codes. So like the 2018 IECC, that is a model energy code. It means it's an example of what could be adopted. At that model energy code stage, you're not going to see a proprietary specialist designation likely to be referenced directly in the model code. It just usually doesn't work like that. Again, this is an ICC designation too, so possibly there is an opportunity there. But just knowing his history, that oftentimes doesn't happen. But again, at the local level, this is where there's really a tremendous opportunity because we can, as an organization, create this specialist designation. We can create a toolkit, for our membership to go out and really sell the value of this and participate in those code adoption meetings at the local and state level. And that's where I think we can really get this written in as being more of a formal requirement. And that's when it really becomes a game changer.
1: So you speak of a toolkit to sell the value. Is that something that's being worked on and developed? And where are these resources?
2: Yeah, it is. So currently, ResNet is working on this larger project, and part of that will be resources for HERS raters so that they can help to educate code officials on what this program is and how code officials can participate and how they can utilize HERS raters that have this joint designation as well. There's going to be some significant resources developed for rating companies, for providers to be able to help educate code officials and also to participate in local and regional and state code official conferences. Many of the local and state code official associations have their own conferences, and it's an important place to go and meet with code officials from your area and help to let them understand what the program is as far as HERS raters offering code compliance services through this joint designation.
1: And along those lines, the understanding aspect and the selling the value of the communication First, gonna ask Chris and then Ryan like you to follow up with what are some of the myths or misconceptions you've run across?
3: Yeah, so one of the misconceptions I think there is is that if you hired a raider to do energy code compliance, that they're going to execute on full energy code compliance verification. The reason why I say that's a myth is it's not because raiders aren't capable of doing full compliance verification. They certainly are. They have the educational background in order to understand the provisions of the energy code by and large. But the code is not just about a bunch of R values or about a certificate that comes out of software. Code compliance verification includes verifying the variety of different mandatory measures of code as well. And if the builder elects to comply using the prescriptive method, then there's a lot of prescriptive requirements that have to be met as well. And the role of a rater in verifying those various mandatory and prescriptive requirements that aren't necessarily reflected in the software, it's questionable. Are raters really verifying that the mechanical systems were sized by ACA Manual J and S? Well, the code official may collect a report for equipment sizing, and so they may be verifying it. But at this point, the way that the rating software is configured for doing energy code compliance verification is it's pretty indiscriminate. A rater checks a box that says, I verified all mandatory measures of code. So they are, I think unintentionally attesting to scopes of work for verification that they're not actually performing. Again, I don't think anybody is doing that in a malicious or deceptive manner. I think it's simply because that's how the software is configured. If you want to print the report out that says that, you know this has a passing total UA compliance or a passing cost compliance or a passing ERI, you have to also check this box that says you've verified all mandatory measures of code. And that's not really true in most instances because raiders are typically not performing all verification scopes. They're sort of splitting that responsibility with the authority holding jurisdiction. Now, certainly they could. And again, we could argue that raiders are actually the best party to be involved in that verification because they're more knowledgeable about these things, arguably, than your average code official and that's not a slight to code officials code officials have many different codes that they have to know and they have to interpret that's really where the value of the specialist comes in because raters can really show not only am I hers rater and I passed the rater test and Resnet says I'm good but now the ICC and Resnet have both agreed that I understand the energy code and so I understand what it means to verify the various requirements of the energy code And then, as time goes on, as Resnet works with its accredited software vendors, the goal is to really have raiders be able to, in a more nuanced fashion, attest to their verification scope. So, yes, I did compliance verification of the cost compliance method, and I did blower door, and I did duct leakage testing. Period. Maybe that's all you're doing. That's what a lot of raiders do currently. They go out. They verify what was installed in the house and they do blower door and duct leakage because Mm -hmm. those are mandatory. And those are things that they definitely know how to do. Again, all of these other various intersecting mandatory and prescriptive requirements, they may verify. In fact, some of them, they may be verifying, but we want to make it so that it's very clear what raters are involved in, in terms of verification scopes. And hopefully over time, this transitions into a bigger responsibility, which is going to end up being more lucrative for them in the end.
1: Ryan, from your perspective, that was a good review there, Chris. From your perspective, myths or misconceptions about this topic?
2: Yeah, so I'll build on, I think, what Chris was kind of touching on a little bit. And and I'll say that one of the myths that we see is that a HERS rating is not code compliance. It can be. It can be if it's written into the state code or local jurisdictions. And there are local jurisdictions in New York, familiar with one in Alabama a few years ago, where they were just they just require a HERS rating with a specific target score. And they say, work with a HERS rater, show us your rating certificate. This is the target score. You have to hit this number or be better and you're in compliance with the code. But that's only if a local or, or state code specifically has a reference to a HERS rating as part of their code compliance. But in general, if a home is just receiving a HERS rating, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in code compliance. Now, they're not the same thing. So just because you're getting a HERS rating doesn't mean that that HERS rater has checked to look at all of the mandatory requirements in the IECC, for example. So just because you've received that HERS rating, and there's a very good chance that that home is actually much more efficient than code. The HERS rating takes a holistic approach it's looking at all the components of the home and how the energy use of the whole home, but the energy code also layers on other requirements like mandatory requirements that you have to meet regardless of which compliance path you're using. That's one of the things that I see Mm -hmm. is that a a HERS rating is not just, is not specifically code compliance unless it's designated as such by the state or local jurisdiction.
1: That's an important comment. I'm going to switch over to getting engaged with this and want to have you both talk about, and first I'll go to Chris, but the training and the examination, those two topics.
3: Currently, the only training that really has been offered, first of all, there is no absolutely mandatory training involved in this. One sure. could, could elect to simply audit the test. And then, as long as they are a HERS rater in good standing and they have completed the test for the ICC uh, residential inspector plans examiner test, then basically they can apply for this designation. Now, obviously, taking a training is ideal because just like Ryan indicated. A HERS rating isn't code compliance. And so if a HERS rater really wants to demonstrate that they understand the code and, and what it really means to verify the various measures of energy code verification, taking a training is really, in my opinion, very crucial and critical for them to do. So we've been offering it at the ResNet conference every year. It's hard to say what's going to happen with the ResNet conference this next year, given current events. What I will say is that ResNet and the ICC anticipate that there's going to be an online training platform for this that should be online this summer. And without giving too much away, an announcement is very likely to be made by ResNet and the ICC to that effect here very soon. So I would stay tuned for that, and that will give Raiders a very convenient platform to be able to get the training that they need. And then they'll be able to take the test online as well to become fully credentialed ICC HERS specialists.
1: What does the exam look like, Chris, as a person who's uh, taken it?
3: It is a multiple choice exam. And so it's not so much unlike the National ResNet Rater exam. It is open book, but you have to have a physical copy of the book. It's not like the ResNet HERS Rater test where you can use written notes or online notes or the internet or various things like that. You actually have to have a hardbound copy of the energy code when you sit for the exam. And it covers the entire residential energy code, basically. So the residential energy code, a lot of us Herzrader energy nerds we flip open immediately to chapter four, because that's where all the juicy details are. That's where all the R values and the U values and the door numbers and the duct leakage numbers, that's all in chapter four. When we think about the energy code, we think about chapter four. But in reality, this is a test that's not just for a ICC HERS compliance specialist, but is also for code officials that elect to earn this designation as a ICC residential energy inspector, and plans examiner. So this is also a test for code officials. So it does talk about the other chapters of the energy code. So chapter one, which is very detailed on the administration of the code. Chapter two, that has definitions. Chapter three, that has certain labeling or other specific information about administering the code and communication about the values within the code. Chapter 5 was new as of the 2015 IECC, and it's a dedicated chapter to look at existing buildings and how they must comply with the energy code. So when you take the test, you're not just being tested on R-values and U-values and things that you're already familiar with. You actually have to understand the code as a whole. So again, the administrative parts of it that are less familiar to HERS raters all the way to the existing buildings provisions, which also are a little bit tricky because they depend on what the scope of uh, construction is for existing buildings. So it's a more comprehensive exam, again, on the overall scope of energy code verification and compliance.
1: Ryan, anything to add to that?
2: No, I thought that was a very comprehensive overview of it, what the exam is. And we're very excited to be able to have an electronic online version of the training, which couples well now that ICC also has the online version of the examination. So it's great. It'll make it a lot easier for hers Raiders to be able to get the training they need and then take the exam.
1: Absolutely. Definitely a trend. I'm going to flip a question back to Chris. And you talked about this and you're a business owner. It's a business opportunity, but for every kind of opportunity, you need an investment. What kind of investments would you say people should be looking at in in terms of like the return on value for the investment, investments of time, costs, fees? How would you put this in perspective?
3: Yeah. So if you're already a HERS rater, you are more than 50% of the way there. You're 90% of the way there in terms of the investment. The online training platform, which is likely to be released this summer, it's going to be sort of similar to raters who took the Energy Star version three rater training. For raters who want to participate in ENERGY STAR, you have to take a training. That's part of basically classing yourself in to be on the list of approved ENERGY STAR verifiers. Well, this is pretty much the exact same thing. So there will be an online training. It will be some hundreds of dollars, most likely. There isn't an exact figure, but I could imagine that there will be some hundreds of dollars. And then there is a relatively modest fee in order to sit for the exam as well through the ICC. So it's definitely going to be a few hundred dollar investment, but raters get an immediate return insofar as they get professional development hours through ResNet. And they will also be getting ICC CEUs. So if you already have an ICC credential, then you're able to obtain CEUs through this approach as well. So that goes to your professional development obligations there. In terms of the return on investment, as you've touched on and Ryan's touched on, we are sort of trying to build this program. So it's hard to say exactly how it will work out. But from what I understand, for most code officials that I know, they turn to HERS Raiders for a reason. They turn to HERS Raiders because they believe in our credentialing process and quality assurance and the ongoing professional development. And for that reason, I think that they are going to very handedly and readily embrace this designation, this specialist designation, and they are going to, if not write it formally within the requirements of their municipality, they're at least going to informally say, I want to see that you have this specialization in order for me to accept your work. And I think for certain raiders who are already involved in energy code verification, that may seem like a little bit of a bummer that I've been able to do this work as just a HERS raider for so many years, and now there's this new thing. But what I would encourage them to look at it is we're talking about normalizing the playing field for years to come and uh, really empowering specialized HERS professionals who really have invested in understanding the energy code. In being chosen for that work. And that's a huge business opportunity, well worth a few hundred bucks.
1: Very good, very good summary. Great to have two highly educated and involved and informed people on the podcast, as always. I just want to give you a couple minutes here. We'll start with Ryan, if you wanted to close with any points that we should cover.
2: We've talked a lot about HERS raters taking the exam and getting the joint designation, but I don't want to leave out rating field inspectors for RFIs. They're not eligible for the joint designation, but to have the residential energy inspector plans examiner certification is still greatly adds to the credibility that they have, especially in the field doing the testing and potentially doing inspections for code compliance verification as well. So I don't want to leave RFIs out. I would encourage them to also take the training and sit for the exam to earn the IECC certification as well. Very
1: good. Thank you. Chris, anything to add?
3: The work that I've done in the code sphere here for the last five years or so, it's been a huge education for me just to understand how codes really work and how the professionals that really work in this arena, how they think, and what do they think about Herzogers and ResNet. And to those folks who maybe are listening to this, who are a little bit suspicious and think, hey, this is just another opportunity to sort of monetize this thing. What I'd like to say to you all is you have to think about the long game. And understand that for a long time, people within the code development sphere, they honestly viewed ResNet and HERS professionals with some degree of suspicion, mainly because we just weren't as engaged as a professional organization in the process of writing codes and demonstrating that we really appreciate the uniqueness of the energy code verification process. So. This was a lot of work to be able to get ResNet to this point to embrace that this was a good direction to go in. ResNet has put a lot of effort into its strategic partnerships with the ICC and other people within the energy code sphere. And I guarantee you that this is the future of our business. Energy codes are just going to get more complex and with a more greater stringency over time. And because of that, really, you all as HERS professionals, you are the ready workforce to be able to step into this arena. While this program, it is going to professionalize the process. It's going to make it so there are clear credentialing processes. These are good things. This is going to be really a formalization of our skill set and our professional prowess to be able to step into this arena. And it's really going to allow us to be able to really move into many different areas of verification that Raiders haven't had access to up to this point. So I'm very excited about it. I think we're going to definitely get this off the ground here in 2020. And in 2021, I think it's really going to be game time to go out there and really sell the value. And I think that the marketplace is going to see that value.
1: That was great. I can't think of a better summary for what we talked about today. It's about building change for the future. There's some investment of time and money and intellectual effort to get there, but Chris, you summarized that well. I want to thank you both for coming on the Res Talk podcast today and sharing this future topic that has such importance for Raiders uh, with everyone here today. Thanks again, gentlemen.
2: Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Yep. Thanks, Chris. thank you for listening to this podcast and hope you learned a few things from Chris and Ryan on this important topic. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find Resnet on Facebook or Twitter. The Twitter handle is resnetus. Here's a quote for today that relates back to our topic. How come it's given you the code? Someone up there likes me. That's a quote from Cathica and the doctor from the Doctor Who series. If you're interested in giving feedback to ResNet on what you heard here today, or would just like to hear a new topic covered or have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you're not subscribed, please consider doing so. And as always, thank you for listening to ResTalk. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for Res Talk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk.